green light. Woo! Okay, I'm Chris. My family. I can say their names later. No. Uh, some are in the kids' room. I have uh, nine of. We have nine of our own children. Um, I was going to have my wonderfully beautiful wife Lori come up today as our anniversary. Woo! We've only been married for four years. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 23 years today. 23 years of perfection. Never a problem or a dull moment. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we've been through a lot, and we still love each other. And uh, we're just, I'm just blessed that we can be here at Destiny. Uh, I don't know if you guys say it or not, but you should. Once a Destinoid, always a Destinoid. Is that a thing? It's going to be a thing now, right? <laughs> I'm going to say it again just because it's funny. Once a destinoid, always a destinoid. All right. I love you. If you have anything to say, just interrupt me. Go ahead. It's fine. Uh, we have cards uh, that we're kind of making. We're doing some missions type work. Uh, I think there's some at the back counter. So um, this may make more sense after I share a little bit about what we're doing and why. Um, but they're out there um, for your reading pleasure. And preferably... Uh, prayer. I I, th- I think it's it's funny how many times you, I think we hear like um, missionaries kind of go around and like please pray for us and give us a lot of money. Uh, you know, like when you get out here and, and you start going out places and you like really start ramming your head against the devil and like trying to bust through things in churches and cities and people's lives. Like you really realize how much prayer you need. It's a real thing. And uh, so it's, I, I would rather have you pray for me than give me money. And that's an honest statement that, that um, God will take care of the rest of that stuff. But we need yeah. an army uh, in unity to, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that's really our goal. Um, how many of you guys came to Jesus perfect? I'm, I'm going to assume the laughs mean you didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> so we're in good company then, right? <laughs> Good. Okay, good. So maybe, maybe something I say will have some relevance today. I didn't come to Jesus perfect. I, I actually accepted Jesus the first time um, I was in kindergarten and I uh, went to a Christian school. Every day I'd get my little, uh, my little, it's probably a rectangle, I want to say square, but my little carpet, you know, sample piece. And I'd sit down and I'd raise my hand and ask Jesus to come into my heart like every day that they wanted us to that entire year. I asked Jesus to come into my life. I was covered for a long time. Uh, you know, but life happens, right? I mean, I was, I was young and immature at five years old or whatever, and I didn't really know what that meant, but I just felt something in my heart, you know, and I was just like, okay, Jesus, yes. I just say yes. Uh, I guess it doesn't have to make sense when you just have faith, right? And so that began my journey. Had some uh, rough times along the way. Uh, like probably many of you. And uh, we're going to look at Peter a little bit today. Um, I heard you guys were kind of going through the book of Acts. And so um, we're going to just talk about, I'm going to just say Peter's journey. Um, Acts 2.14 is the verse uh, that that I'm kind of basing this off of, although we're going to use a lot of other verses that's kind of the main thing to grasp, like our point, because uh, I, I chose the New American Standard 1995 version. It's one of my favorite versions of the Bible. I don't know what what is um what is the uh, what does the version stand for again? New American Standard. Yeah, what's the other version? They call it something funny. Oh, the 
nerdy academic study Bible. S snooty Bible, oh, yeah, I don't know. Supposedly the NASB 1995 is one of the most, you know, word for word, accurately translated translations. Anyway, um, I wrote down what it actually says here somewhere. Now, here's, here's what happens. So I went to two years of Bible college um, and in the, in the third year, they teach you how to like write out sermon notes and stuff like that. Um, and so I wasn't there for that. So my notes look kind of like this. Like I got 47 sticky notes. Um, maybe that's, we could call it old school and then I feel better because old school's cool sometimes, but no, I'm just kidding. There's just a lot that goes on in my head sometimes. I, I might be looking like this and there's just like a hamster wheel, just like so anyway, oh yeah, I was going for the Bible verse. That's important. Acts 2.14, Peter taking his stand with the 11, lifted up his voice. And I'm gonna stop there, okay? Just uh, most of them, most of the translations say Peter stood, right? Uh, but I just liked how it said, Peter taking his stand with the 11, lifted his voice. And so how did Peter get to that point? That's kind of the, kind of where we're going with this, this message today, because Peter didn't start perfect, right? I mean, of all the disciples in, in scripture, Peter's got kind of the worst track record that, they, that was shared with us. I mean, we don't, obviously Judas was a different story. We're not talking about him. He had a different destructive destiny over his life, but God used Peter to establish this church. He told Peter he was gonna do this. He gave, there was words over Peter's life about his destiny and God's plan for him. And so Peter was like the foot and mouth guy. Like he was always just saying stupid things and doing stupid things. Like just when you, when you actually look at his life, you, you, you can't, if you, if you look at it like maybe with this sense of like, he's kind of just a, a little bit harsh little brash, like, he's kind of like, do it my way, God, kind of person. Have you guys ever um, said or felt like maybe God should do things your way? <laughs> I know, I'm not so much the foot and mouth guy because I, I think a little bit more inside my head, but the words inside my head are foot and mouth words. It's, uh, it's the same kind of stuff going on inside of my brain. So I spent a lot of years... Um, you know, just kind of, uh, honestly, I spent some of those years being frustrated with church, like not, not happy that God didn't do church my way, uh, not happy that the words that God spoke over my life, they didn't come to pass in my time. They didn't come to pass the way I thought they should. Some of them still haven't probably, right? And so when I look at that, you know, I'm so thankful that God loved me through it. Like he didn't just be like, hey, Chris, you know, you are way out of line. Just like step aside. I'm gonna use somebody else, you know? When Peter got up there and said stupid things and did stupid things, he didn't say, Peter, I'm not gonna use you. I'll pick somebody else. Somebody who doesn't have such a big mouth, right? Somebody who just cooperates a little bit better. I mean... People ask all the time, which ch child is our favorite, right? And we're like, the obedient one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we don't have a, I, I don't have a favorite child. I love them all. And none of them are perfect. So 
we're on equal playing ground. Anyway, there's just some things, you know, I feel like, um, I still feel it, honestly, um, but my heart's changed, and so we're kind of we're just going to go over this heart change journey. Like, I still feel like there's things wrong with Christianity at large, not, not Jesus' version of it, but Christianity at large has issues, all right? Like, the church at large, we still have issues, and we're not perfect, right? And so it's really easy to get hurt or frustrated or bitter. I've spent some years like that. And, uh, you know, it was my fault. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, it wasn't Jesus' fault. And it wasn't even sometimes people, if, if they hurt me, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. It was my problem. It was my heart issue. My heart wasn't in the right place. I didn't respond to things right. And, uh, you know, I'd say Peter was probably in the same boat. Um, I'm going to just go over this quick. I'm going to run through some of these things real quick. So you don't have to turn to all these passages. Um, but Peter's call in Luke chapter 5. Uh, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, they heard the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who was Peter... Simon Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus, he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, yes, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. No, you know, it's funny. I was talking with Lori about this yesterday. I hear some sarcasm and cynicism in this. Yes, master. Like, don't you know how to fish? Like, I don't think Peter was just like, yes, Lord, you're holy and I'll do whatever you want. He wasn't like that at this point in his life. So he's like, master, we toiled all night. I'm a little grumpy. And we took nothing in. I'm also poor. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, oh, something happened inside of him. He fell down at Jesus' knees and said, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So Peter, the fisherman, walked on water. Isn't that exciting? How many of you guys have walked on water? I have. When it's frozen. I mean, the winter, you know, the lakes up in the hills freeze. I can walk on water, right? You can walk on water too. (laughs) We don't have faith like that? You're kidding me. Like, what's wrong with us? Like... Uh, didn't Jesus say greater things are you going to do? Like, what? wait a second, what's wrong with you guys? You're not walking on water yet? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not either. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of verses. Can I, can I count that many? Do be do. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. So this is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Okay, just did this crazy miracle. He, gets into, he makes the disciples get into the boat, 
and go in front of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. There's 5,000 people in the crowd. I'm sure it took a while. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain to pray by himself because that's what Jesus does. Evening came and he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, let's say the middle of the night, because it was dark, there was a raging storm, they didn't have bright lights, no LEDs, nothing like that. So the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, and they were terrified. Apparently they didn't recognize Jesus. And they said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. That doesn't sound like faith, right? Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter, spokesman of the group, opened his mouth and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. Would you have gotten out of the boat? Would you have gotten, really, would you have gotten out of the boat? I mean, like, really, wow. Um, he walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But Peter didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately, because Jesus is so good, immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And they got in the boat, and the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Powerful. Matthew 16. 21. This is when Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. But, right, Peter has a glorious moment because there were a few, a few good things that happened but Jesus knew what was going on, and Peter didn't. And apparently Peter was not listening to Jesus because Jesus tried to tell him over and over and over what was going on, and Peter didn't listen. I can relate to that. I don't know if you can. Has Jesus ever like tried to get something through to your head over and over like, I love you? Like, you matter to me? Like, I want to use you? Like, I can do things through you. When you humble yourself, when you take up your cross and follow me, I can use you. Like, he keeps saying that to a lot of us, right? But we don't get it. It's like we just got hard heads or something. So from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples, he began to try to show his disciples, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, of course, rebuking the Lord, that's Peter, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How would you like that if the master called you Satan? You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Okay, how about the transfiguration? Do you guys remember that story? Jesus takes them up on the mountain, like Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, like the glory cloud is there. And what does Peter do? Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to build a tent and I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be really cool, God, because I like what I want to do and what I want to do is obviously what you want to do. 
or not. <laughs> God's like, I'll get in trouble if I say that. Stop. <laughs> just stop, Peter. He just interrupts him and he's like, this is my son. Listen to him. <laughs> he's like, Peter, come on. Don't you get this? Okay, he didn't get it. He still didn't get it. Let's see. There's a few more. I got more sticky notes. We are not running out of sticky notes. Oh, yeah. Peter cut some guy's ear off. Yeah, because that's cool. That's what all the people should be doing. No, just kidding. Don't, don't, don't take that out of context. <laughs> So, so betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Judas is turning his back on Jesus. He brings like an army of soldiers with him. And Simon Peter's like, hey, I got a sword. He drew it out, cut off this guy's ear. The servant's name was Malchus, servant of the high priest or something like that. Jesus says to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? Peter, I told you about this. Don't you get that? You get, you get, you get in where we're going here. Peter's not like this, like brilliant person who had everything in his life lined up right and just walked into Jesus' plan and said, "I'm with you." No, he was trying to tell God what to do. He was trying to do it his own way. I've done that. I don't know if you've done that. So, lastly, with Peter in this part of this story. I have another half hour or 45 minutes to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when Jesus' resurrection happened, one of the scriptures says that Peter and the disciples went to the tomb. It was kind of indicating he might not have been a disciple because Peter denied Jesus, right? There was that moment where it was like, oh, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And, uh, and then the rooster crows three times and, and Peter's... Can't even stand in front of a servant girl and acknowledge Jesus that he's a follower of Jesus. He can't even stand in that place with one little servant girl, asking him, "Weren't you with Jesus?" He's like, "I never knew him." The rooster crows. Jesus looks at him, and Peter's heart just breaks, and he goes out and weeps bitterly because he's failed. So he's not even really like a disciple. It's like Peter and the other disciples. So Jesus comes back after he's raised from the dead and he's like, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, I kind of love you. You know, it's cool. I'm a fisherman. Do fishermen love guys? I mean, like, I don't know. Just, how does that work? Like, that's weird. It's awkward. And Jesus is like, no, really, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, well, yeah, sure. Peter actually says, if you look in the Greek, he actually says, I'm fond of you, Jesus. He doesn't actually say, I really love you. Jesus asks him again, are you fond of me, Peter? And that's when Peter gets upset. And he's like, Lord, you know, you know everything. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Right? It's pretty heavy stuff. So interestingly, then Jesus reinstates him in spite of the fact that he's not even probably really sure if he's fond of Jesus. 
I'm like, I don't know if I'm really fond of you. And Jesus is like, you follow me, Peter. And Peter's like, what about that guy? What about John? What about that guy who you really like? What about the guy who lays his head on your chest when we're eating? Like, what's up with him? Tell me about that guy. Because Jesus is like, Peter, I'm telling you, you're going to have to do this my way. A day is coming when you're going to give your life for me. People are going to do things to you you don't want. Peter's like, whatever. What about that guy? What's, what about, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus is like, Peter, you follow me. So, this is the Peter that we're talking about on the day of Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit comes down, tongues of fire. We sang about that, didn't we? That was, that was a good song. I don't know. That might have been a new one for you guys. You should sing it again sometimes. It's a good song. Tongues of fire, the rushing wind, the sounds of heaven. Thousands of people are in Jerusalem. Like, there's this big thing happening, right? That's the Peter we're talking about. So what changed, right? I have a different story on a personal level. I think I have a couple minutes to share that. I had felt called to ministry when I was 16. I'm 43. I know I look like I'm 43, but <clears throat> that's okay. You know, it's all right. I am. I am what I am. I'm, I'm okay with that now, sort of. Um, felt called to ministry when I was 16. You know, I, I had some really incredible encounters with God in my teen years. Uh, my um, last Bible camp that I went to when I was 18 after I graduated high school, God just wrecked me in a good way. And I, I went home um, from that Bible school and, and instead of going back to work that summer, I, I went to the pastor of the church and I was like, hey, can I have a key to the church? I want to come pray for like hours and hours a day. And, and I did. And I was, it was weird. People were, didn't understand what I was doing. And I don't even think I did at that time, really. Um, apparently, that's okay, though, because something happened in my life in that season. I pray, I pray in the spirit for hours. Like, literally, I just opened the church, and I'd go, and I'd put worship music on, and I'd just pray. I'd just cry out to God. And something happened in my life in that season that I just had no grid for, like, on a personal level. I grew up in... Assemblies of God, kind of Pentecostal denominations. And, and God broke in in that season of my life. And I started just like feeling the things of heaven on earth. I'd sense if an angel came into a room and like had a word. And I'd be like, wow, I can just feel like when the presence of heavenly things came, I knew where they were at and what they were doing. It was like, I mean, it was weird to me. Like I didn't have a grid for this, like on a personal level. God started speaking to me about apostolic and prophetic ministries, like not a lot of that was going on in 1996. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't non-existent, but I mean, I had just like no idea about it. I mean, I would get words from people. I went to Bible college. A guy came into my dorm. He's like, Chris, I did something. I'm like, I know what you did. It was this and this and this. God saw you. And he's like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just 18. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, you know, it was just crazy. Just this open heaven over my life, but... But I had no character. I had passion and zeal. So I went into 
a couple years of Bible college and then did, did some youth pastoring and uh, God really blessed our youth group. It exploded in size. People were getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit on our Wednesday night meetings. But I didn't know there was religious demons in churches. Like I had no idea about that kind of stuff. Boy, people don't like some of the things that God does. I don't know why. <laughs> I still don't, honestly. I didn't know why then and I still don't. But that created this like journey on my life of just disillusionment with, with what I thought God wanted me to do and didn't happen the way I thought it should, right? I was just carrying this disappointment. I, ca- I carried a m- mild chronic depression for decades because I just didn't get it. I was confused, right? God's speaking to me during this time. And he's like, he's like, hey, I've got some good things for you, right? And one of those things, actually, this is funny. I had a, I don't even know when this was. I had a dream that uh, I was here at Destiny. We were attending church here at the time. And, and I had a dream that my voice was coming through the speakers. And I was like sitting over there somewhere. But I didn't have a microphone. And, and uh, as my, I don't know, I think I was just praying or something. But as my voice was just like booming through the sound system... Brent or Tana came over and was like, here, here's the microphone. You can have it. Like, and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I didn't know what that meant. I still don't know what it means, but I'm here. And look, my voice is coming through the mic. No. God, I mean, God does some really incredibly weird things. He brings things around in his way, in his time. I, you know, I didn't see a way for that to happen in those days. Like it just, my heart wasn't right. And they probably knew that in a sense, you know. I was in some of that season, we, we sat up here a lot. And I was at this place in my life where I was like, God, if I can just for a fraction of a second show up at church and feel you, it was a success. I mean, if I have a moment in your presence when I show up at church, because I'd show up at church and I would feel anger. I would be mad. Nothing in particular, just frustrated because God's plan wasn't happening my way. Because it wasn't coming together in my time, right? Bless you. <laughs> the Lord bless you. <laughs> so David, you guys know who David Wagner is? He's been here a few times, Fire Conference 2009. He, um, you know, he prophesied over like everybody. It was wild. Uh, everybody's getting these really cool words and they're just like, God's going to use you and this is going to be great. And Oh, and God's going to use you and it's going to be great. God, oh, and he comes up to me and he stops. He says something and then he stops. And I have the recording if you want to listen to it. I pulled it back out. And he's like, that's funny. It's like, you have an anointing for the ridiculous. And everybody laughs. I mean, everybody laughs. And I was mad. <laughs> I was like... I don't like that. Really, I mean, I'm serious. It was funny. Judah and I, Judah's 21 now. I don't know how old he was then. Probably 12, something like that. We were like out in the car fighting. I was yelling my guts out at this kid because we, when he was young, we we butt heads a lot. You know, whatever. We, we're good now. We've we've come a long way, but uh, we butt heads all the time. We're both kind of hard headed in some ways, and and so like I was just like mad at him and I was frustrated with God and and then I come up here we came like we literally were out in the car and I was yelling at him and we came in and and got in line to get a prophetic word and he's like you have an anointing for the ridiculous and I'm like ah 
Like, God, what are you doing to me? I was mad. I was literally upset about that for like 12 years. I'm serious. Like, you don't even know. Like, when, when, you, when you have this thing stuck in your head, like, God's got to do it my way. You've got to do it my way, God. I know what you want better than you know what you want, God. And that word like haunted me. I was mad about it for a lot of years. I just have to be honest. Um, some of you guys know, I, I, I talk with Selah about this so she understands a little bit. When she was born, she had some medical issues and it was a really hard time for me. I, I literally like shut my heart down to God after going through some of the stress of that because my heart was in a bad place. And, and I didn't respond right to the struggle. I mean, we all go through hard things, right? We all have rough times in life. And, and my heart just shut down. I stopped singing. I stopped playing my guitar. I mean, we were like working on being missionaries and going to Hawaii. And I was working with pastors across the state of South Dakota. We started a 24-hour prayer meeting in Pier. I mean, things were happening. It was good. I was trying to do it my way. But it was still working, kind of, right? And God's like, hey. <laughs> It's not time yet. So my heart shut down. I mean, I like literally, the song inside of my heart died. And, and it took three or four years. Before, I mean, I went, I used to work on weekend night shifts so I didn't have to go to church because I just couldn't handle it. I felt more angry after leaving church a lot of times than I felt before I got there. And it wasn't, hel- I was just not in a healthy place. We had to wrestle some big demons in my life in that season and God gave me some victory it wasn't easy interestingly I had a dream about moving to Hawaii in 2015 and God set up this amazing I'll tell you this story some other time but amazing chain of events we ended up moving there with eight kids seven kids I don't know seven Totally restored, like I prayed, like literally when I was working those night shift hours, I would, I would pray in the morning before I went to bed. God, if you're real, can you restore my soul? I pray, I, I, all, the only scripture I read for like literally six months was like Psalm 23. God, can you do this? Because I wasn't moving past that moment until I knew, God, can you actually restore my soul that's broken, that's hurting, that I've turned my back on you. I was so mad at God one day. I ripped up my Bible, yelled at him. I mean, I was mad. I had some dark days. And just when I thought it was all over, (laughs) he just turns it around in a moment. Just a moment. There was one morning woke up at like four in the morning. I was like, God, I need to know today. Like, is this going to work? Like, I need to know. I'm sorry. I, I've, I've been horrendously disobedient. But if you tell me today, I'm all in. So I had been praying for months and months. Like, if you really, God, if you really want me to go to Hawaii, have somebody give me a ukulele that doesn't know I'm trying to go to Hawaii. And this day, it was after Father's Day. I asked for Father's Day that year. I was like, don't bother me. That was really literally what I told my family. Don't bother me. I just want to sleep today. 
And so it was like Tuesday by the time I got to openings, whatever they had for me for Father's Day. By the time I was actually in an okay place. Judah had ordered a ukulele and the company sent two. And we called them and, and they were like, we're sorry we sent two. Can we give you the extra one as a gift? And I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, okay. And I, it was just like, I never wavered after that moment. I was like, God took me on this journey. It was several years. He took me on this journey to Hawaii to restore my soul because he cares about me. I mean, it's crazy. He cares about us that much, right? So I felt like for so many years, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was just chasing the wind, right? I think Peter probably had that feeling like the whole time he was with Jesus. You know, strange, strange as it seems to say that about Peter, because we kind of look at him more in a high and lofty place now. Uh, but there was that day when something changed in Peter. You know, he took his stand, right, in that moment. Holy Spirit came, crazy stuff was going on. People were throwing out accusations against the 120 that were in the upper room. Like, these guys are drunk. Like, what's going on here? You guys are horrible people. Like, really, that's kind of what they're saying. Peter stands up. And all of a sudden in this moment, his life aligns with heaven. The father had a plan the whole time. And he's like, Joel said this, this is that, right? He's like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And he's given me his authority, lined up. We have the Holy Spirit upon us, lined up. And guess what? There's one more thing that had to line up. He took his stand with the eleven. You can't be in alignment without being in alignment with people, with a church that's imperfect, with the Christianity that doesn't have it all together. You can't be in alignment with God's will without all of those things. You've got to see the big picture. You've got to bow your knee to Jesus. You've got to receive the fullness of his spirit. And you've got to take your place in the church. And so interestingly now, this is, we're almost there, I promise. This is how we ended up here. Uh, <clears throat> decades of character formation in my life. And, and the moment happened in my life during the middle of a pandemic. And God's like, it's time to go. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yep. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Like, you know what? What do I have to lose? 42. I thought we were going to do this when I was 18. Like, what do I have to lose? Really, God? I mean, like, yes, let's go. And uh, I mean, literally, I, uh, a couple of interesting, we've had a lot of prophetic words about butterflies and barns. It's okay, you okay? Bless you too. <laughs> a little, uh, 
these prophetic words about butterflies and barns, you know, like I had one when I was literally, when I was in Bible college about a butterfly and some things. And, and we were living in Hawaii, people prophesying over just about barns and things. I'm like, there's no barns in Hawaii, guys. Don't you know that? And this guy's from Puerto Rico. And I, don't, I mean, I don't even know what he was thinking. I'm like, I'm not going back to South Dakota. Well, I ended up back here. God had a different plan. So in June of 2020, I'm, get this, I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing because there was a pandemic and I didn't have work. And so I was going and working on a little barn restoration project. That was how I was making money. So I'm restoring a barn with my kids. And this day in particular, I'm being paid to paint a picnic table, refinish this picnic table that I'm being given by the person who's paying me paint it. I was just all discombobulated this day, right? And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And, and a butterfly, while I'm working on this picnic table, a butterfly floats by me and flies into the barn and just flies around in this barn. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, huh. But the hamster wheel was moving. <laughs> I probably did look like that. I was like, huh. A divine alignment came in my life. And I said, yes, Jesus. The next day, I like lost my job officially because it hadn't been official up to that point. I just wasn't working. I lost my job. We got asked to be regional reps with Awaken the Dawn, which does tend to miracles. So that's Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. Like, I was like, okay, June, pandemic still rolling around. I'm like, let's do a five-state worship tour. I said, yes. I took my kids around. We just, went, we just went for it, you know? Ended up in Washington, D.C. later that year. Ended up in Kansas City doing an event. Washington, interestingly, Washington, D.C. was the only one that I felt like was kind of a missions trip that we raised support for. It's the only thing that we actually asked for people to help us with in this whole last year and a half or so that we've been doing this. We ended up going to Washington, D.C. God sent us there. We got COVID when we were there. I mean, you know, it was just like a way to round out the year. Come on. <laughs> I said yes because Jesus called me to go, you know. Interestingly, we argue about a lot of politics and we argue about a lot of the medical stuff. I was a flight paramedic before, so I understand about healthcare and masks. And I, I mean, there's some really good things about that in their place. I mean, I just, I just saw all this time, I just saw everybody's just taking their side. I'm like, I'm going to pick a side. I'm just going to be mad at everybody else. I don't care. I'll just pick a side. I'm mad at you. I don't like what you're doing. It's all wrong. And you know what I say? Line up with Jesus. Align yourself with Jesus. Take your stand in alignment with Jesus because he's going to send you out his way, his time. All of you. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Peter was just a guy. I'm just a guy. We just said yes. And you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he leads me. And you know what he's asking you to do? The same thing. Take your stand. Line your life up with Jesus. And follow him. So we're going. I don't know where we're going. I wish I could tell you. I think someday we'll be missionaries in the nations. It's probably likely. We've had some words about that over our lives. But right now, we're bringing his kingdom here. We're fighting for it in Rapid City. 
We're fighting for it in South Dakota. We're fighting for it in our region with the wagon. We're fighting for it for our nation. We, we need God. We need a revival. We need a great awakening. And it isn't going to come if we don't take our stand and line up with Jesus. He's calling you to do it. Will you say yes? just want to come up. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask for your grace. You have a beautiful plan for us. You have a beautiful plan, a wonderful plan. And it's not necessarily an easy plan. But we just say yes to your plan. We just say yes, Father. We want what you want. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and, and I just went to the altar at my church, and uh, I, didn't, I mean, nothing, nothing was wrong. I was just saying yes again. I just said, yeah, I was just like, here I am, Lord, yes. And I felt a fresh baptism. I was surprised. I was like, man, it took me straight back to the moment when the Holy Spirit first filled me and baptized me. I was like, whoa. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. I said, use me how you want to, God. Use me how you want to. So I just want to invite you guys. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's your day to bow your knee to him and make him Savior and Lord. If you have already, I just want you to just take a moment and in your own way to just align your heart, align your life. Just say yes again. It's not my will. It's yours, Lord. Use me how you want to use me. You define me, Jesus. You define who I am. You define what I do.